0: Hello and welcome to the Industry Interviews podcast, the podcast where the King's College London Employer Engagement Team interviews a professional from a certain sector to provide an insight into their role and route into employment. My name is Ross Claydon Mullins and I am an employee Relations and Development Advisor at King's College London. I'm joined today by Benjamin Cohen, his pronouns are he, him who is the founder and chief executive of Pink News, the online newspaper for the LGBT plus community. He is also a King's College London alumni. Thank you for joining us, Benjamin.
1: Thank you.
0: Before we move on to chatting to Benjamin, I'm going to give you some labour market information for the journalism sector. According to a report produced by the National Council for the Training of Journalists, some of the skills that are the most important for a modern journalist are quality control, fact checking, IT and digital skills, time management, communication skills, the ability to form good relationships with people, and an understanding of ethical issues with content that you are writing about. Some of the most common routes into the sector are via a journalism degree. Please note, however, this is not always necessary. The most common start for budding journalists is by writing for local publications. You will most likely have to work freelance across print, digital and broadcast journalism, and it is also worth collating any articles you write or contribute to, to build up a portfolio of work for you to show to potential employers. You can join the National Union of Journalists and the Chartered Institute of Journalists for professional development and to help you make contacts within the industry. As we are joined by Benjamin from Pink News today, it's also worth noting what the industry is like for LGBT representation. There are many LGBT journalists such as Evan Davis, Paris Lees, Steph McGovern and Ben Hunt. However, an investigation from Pink News in March 2021 found that unfortunately one in three LGBT journalists had been bullied, harassed or discriminated against whilst working in the British media. I will ask Benjamin about this a bit later on. So, Benjamin, moving on to some of the questions then. Thank you again for joining us today. Um, I know that you've had a really interesting journey into the sector. Would you please share with us what being the chief executive of Pink News is like and how it sort of came about? And, yeah, the route that you've sort of taken to yeah. come into your current role?
1: My route is an, is an unusual one. Um, and firstly, thank you for having me on the podcast today. But my, my, my route is an unusual one. Um, but it's all linked together. So um, before was at university, before I did my A-levels, I started uh, a digital media website called JewishNet originally. This is like way before the dot-com boom, right at the beginning of the internet, really. Um, and that did very well um, and ended up mer- uh, merging with a newspaper, the Jewish News newspaper, and floating on the London Stock Exchange. I then started a different business, which was a search business. Um, which I was running while I was at uni and when I was at King's and then pretty much actually straight after I, I finished at King's um, that business was involved in a legal dispute with Apple and it's a complicated case uh, and I was it was written about by the Times and the journalist who interviewed me said oh it's our Christmas party tonight I think you've got an interesting story do you fancy coming along and I thought well, why not? Might be interesting. So I went to the Christmas party, and while there, I met was chatting to the business editor of the Times website, and they asked if I'd like to write something for um, the website, uh, it's like a bit of a diary about what's been happening for me with the legal dispute and other things that were going on for me. And uh, that I did that, and it went down pretty well. Um, I didn't get paid. So thinking about what you're saying, that wasn't for a local newspaper, it was for the Times, um, yeah. and yeah. Uh, I. It went down well. And then that turned into a, a regular column every two weeks, which was called Diary of a Teenage.com Millionaire, aged 22 and three quarters. So it was kind of taking the age in uh title, uh, doing a play on that. And, um, and that was really fun. So I was writing that for I was running my business and writing that. But I really enjoyed writing. You know, I hadn't had any training beyond the fact that I could clearly write. And you do learn lots about that when you're doing a degree or doing A-levels, etc. But I really enjoyed it. And I liked writing about different topics. And it sort of veered from what I was doing and my observations on things to a bit more investigative. And it was kind of charting the rise of Google in in the UK and globally, actually. And I asked them if I could write something on LGB issues. So at the time, LGBT wasn't really the term that was being used. So lesbian, gay, bisexual at King's. I was the LGB officer. There was no LGBT mm-hmm. officer. And uh, they said, no, the Times said no. And they said, oh, we've already got Matthew Paris and Andrew Pierce, who was the rest of the Times then, and they're gay. So we don't need any other gay things. We just like you guys about Google and things. And so basically the, the article that I wanted to write I decided to publish myself and I put it on Pink News, created the website, took a few hours to make. Um, and you know, I guess everything else is history. Pink News grew a lot. Um, I hadn't realised initially when I started it the, the kind of demand there was for quality LGBT media. Um, I just started as I wanted to do it, but then sort of created the kind of mission and framework around it. But um, about a year into, Pink News, a bit less. Um, We were involved in another. I I, I like being involved in an equal dispute. So Pink News was then involved in a different dispute because we'd um, uncovered that the News of the World, former newspaper that's part of, uh, well, now part of News News UK, was then part of News International, which I Times, which I was still writing for, um, had sort of semi-outed um, the footballer Ashley Cole. What they'd actually done is they said there was some gay slash bisexual footballers and had a blurred photograph and we found that that was the photograph of Ashley Cole, who's not gay or bi, Yeah. Um, and uh, so Ashley Cole, throughout journalism, was able to a case against the News, News, News International News International said oh well, we might sue you because you were part of the chick story identification and as part of that I ended up being on Channel 4 News and I'd been on Channel 4 News as a guest once before talking about the dispute with Apple and so I went on Channel 4 News talking about this case in the end there was no case that News, News International dropped there against us and settled with Ashley Cook but I kind of got people's attention I guess at Channel 4 News and then I was asked if i'd be interested in having a chat coming in for an interview um, for a new role they were creating business and technology correspondent and i said yes because i thought it'd be interesting to go for a chat went for a chat then they said oh well chat was good would you like to do a screen test so i did a screen test screen test was good would you like to come for another chat and meet the editor and, and other people and i did and then i wasn't really expecting anything i'd started pink news I'd, I'd actually sold uh, all of the assets of my other business by then. Um, I was running Pink News, uh, and we were about to launch actually a print edition, and I got a phone call from the editor of Channel 4 News saying, would you like to take this job as business technology correspondent? It'd be four days a week and do Pink News on the other day. And at that point, Pink News is very much a side project, very small. So I said yes, and I ended up doing six years on screen at Channel 4 News. With Pink News as a side project. During that time it was on Pink News that Nick Clegg, then, Depp, uh, then leader of the Liberal Democrats before the general election 2010, became the first party leader to back same-sex marriage. David Cameron, then leader of the opposition, did the same. Interestingly, Gordon Brown, the then Prime Minister, opposed it, but it was all on Pink News. And you know, after the election, uh, Ed Miliband, who got elected Labour leader, also backed it. So we, we became part of the kind of conversation. And I was still a Channel 4 News at this time, but gradually you know, Pink News grew its reputation, grew its influence and grew its audience and eventually I decided I couldn't really juggle Channel 4 News and Pink News and I wanted to do some other things as well and I decided to leave Channel 4 News towards the end of 2012 um, at that point Pink News wasn't quite big enough to well pay me what I wanted to be paid so I was doing Pink News not now one day a week now like two and a half days a week and mm-hmm. spending the other two and a half days a week uh, doing other projects and sort of, uh, doing some consultancy around media and things for brands. And uh, then in 2000 and end of 2015, Pink News became big enough to go through it properly. And since then we've grown massively and we, know we now reach uh, tens of millions, often 50 million users a month across our different platforms. We have a very, very large audience on Snapchat uh, where we have 10 shows. Uh, or eleven shows now, um, and you know millions of people are consuming the Pink News website content, you know monthly. So exciting! But I've had an unusual, I've had an unusual journey. Like an observation that I have is, I didn't, I did actually start when I was like really enjoying writing the stuff for the Times. When I first started Pink News, I started a masters in journalism, but then I just realised, um, well, two things happened. One. I, I have MS and I actually had my first MS attack and I needed to not be doing everything. So I stopped doing the Masters because I also realized I'm already writing for the Times. I don't I don't know if I need to learn that much. What I did learn is the basics, of did the first module in media law and learned mm. shorthands and things, which is useful. But nothing else I felt would be that useful. And do you know what? Before I would have finished that course, I was already mm. on air as a correspondent with Channel 4 News. Mm. And if I had done that course, I probably wouldn't have ended up that circumstance wouldn't have happened and everything else wouldn't have happened. So, you know, I don't think that there's a rule to say that you should do a postgrads qualification. A lot of my colleagues at Channel 4 News didn't. Um, Jon Snow didn't finish university. Krishnan did, but didn't do any journalism uh, qualifications. A lot of my team at Pink News do have it because it is generally the route that people would do now. But it's by no means the must-have. It's like a nice-to-have. But don't but don't feel that just because you're you haven't you know you've just you've done the degree. My degree was in religion, philosophy, and ethics. at King's.
0: you've learned how to write. You know, you can do it. You, don't need to, you can start anyway. Absolutely, yeah. I think that's really good advice, and it's really interesting and good to hear about your experiences from print journalism, broadcast journalism and then virtual online journalism as well, and how that works across the three different platforms, which I think is really, really fascinating and a great insight. Um, and like, did, did you find, think when you were younger then at any point, were you thinking, I want to be a journalist? Because it seems to me that you sort of, it almost, you fell into it in a way, mm. rather than you sort of wanting to do it from a really young age. But I might be wrong on that.
1: I definitely did. So I was like, editing the, my house newspaper
0: mm. at, school, at secondary school.
1: So I was definitely interested in these things. I was interested in the media, right? I started an mm. online media company of when course, I was at yeah. so It's about different routes. So I I would say I don't really consider myself particularly a journalist at this point. Mm-hmm. I I do do some journalism. I occasionally do write for other, you know, other publications. Um, I used to write regularly for the Evening Standard. I did a column for this, like, this year where I've written for like, the I, I've written for the Times a couple of times. So like, I, I'm doing bits and pieces, but mostly I'm a business person. Yeah. So I'm running I'm running a business and I can be excited about journalism, but I'm also excited about numbers and doing like, business deals and things. Um, yeah. But I wanted to be involved in the media. like Definitely what it was, what I would say more than anything, when I was a kid, I really wanted to be on television. And I used to watch Channel 4 News, like my granddad, my late grandfather used to watch Channel 4 News, and I always used to watch Channel 4 News when I was at their house. And um, so that was like a childhood dream was to be on Channel 4 News, um, and I got to do it. So, you know, I was following a dream there. That was very much more the dream stuff. The stuff that I'm doing now was that, a what I dreamed of well the internet hadn't been invented so probably not but uh, but communicating to lots of people and having some sort of presence was very much what I wanted to do.
0: Yeah absolutely yeah it's fantastic that you managed to fulfill that dream definitely. So yeah just moving on then obviously I, I mentioned um, about that Um, Pink News article from March this year um, that said about sort of quite horrifically that one in three LGBT plus journalists have been discriminated against or bullied or harassed in the world of British media. Um, What kind of barriers do you think LGBT plus people face within the journalism sector and Mm. media space? And I don't know if you've got any examples, that, if you're willing to share, of examples that you've seen possibly and where you think are things getting better because I'm conscious that a lot of people listening may well identify as LGBT plus and want to progress into the journalism sector but might not be, they'll rightly be a bit worried that it might not be the most welcoming of environments for them unfortunately.
1: That my experiences have been quite mixed. So, when I joined Channel 4 News, I kind of expected it to be this liberal place where there'd be lots of gay people. But I was the only, at the time I joined, I was the only gay correspondent. Um, there later was another one about four years into my time there. And if I'm honest, I found it a bit uncomfortable for two reasons. So, first was my own prejudice. I was very much out and my colleagues who were other correspondents and producers knew but I felt that I couldn't talk to the camera people and the technicians and stuff about my sexual orientation so with them I would always be using gender neutral terms to describe my then boyfriend so it'd be like my partner Um, but that was really about my own prejudice and I was on a filming in America in Chicago and I'd said that I was having a drink with my producer and the cameraman, a, a, a guy who's unfortunately no longer with us. And, and I happened to use her partner. And he said to me that, Ben, you're gay. My son's gay. I know you're gay. I know you have a boyfriend, not a partner. Let's just drop all of this stuff and actually just be honest. And that was really powerful. But I also found that among the at the time I just do not know exactly what it's like now I think it's probably very different but in the news meetings there was a general kind of public school light homophobic tone I would say um and they would sometimes say people would sometimes say something inappropriate and then they'd realize I was there and then like oh my god can't say that but you got an idea about what was being said when you weren't in the room right? Um, And that was challenging because this was right at the start of the battle for same-sex marriage. I was very much publicly involved in that, uh, but there was a lot of contrary views. From what I know, Channel 4 News now, pretty good. ITN, which makes Channel 4 News pretty good on LGBT plus issues. The issue is at the BBC more. So from uh, people who I know who work there who are LGBT plus are having a pretty tough time because the BBC is taking a you know, trying to be in part, in verse commas, impartial on LGBT plus issues. I don't think that that's necessary or right, because they're not impartial on racism. They're not impartial on sexism or misogyny. Being LGBT plus is a protected characteristic. There is no other side. But I've seen time and time again, the BBC not being able to understand that. So during the debate for same sex marriage, I would often be on BBC Radio, local radio, up against people who not only thought that gay people shouldn't get married but we should be sent, we, sh- we will go to hell, or we should be facing the death penalty. When Elton John and David Furnish had their first baby through surrogacy, on it was around Christmas, um, the BBC did a report for the six o'clock news and this was, in, this was quite a while ago, like a decade ago, and the only voice on that report was someone who supported the death penalty for gay people in Uganda. Why would you go to them? Why not go and ask, I'll, you know, if you want commentary about the issue of surrogacy, go and speak to one of the many same-sex couples who've created families through surrogacy, go and speak to a surrogate, go and speak to a charity, Stonewall or whatever. But don't go and speak to someone who thinks that gay people should be killed. But that's what the BBC did in the In the quest for impartiality. And so that makes it a difficult place. So I would definitely say that probably the media on the whole has got better, but there are pockets and there are particular organizations, the BBC being one of them, I would say the Times as well being another one, which are quite contrary on LGBT plus issues. You know, it was only two weeks ago or two or three weeks ago that. The Guardian was being picketed by trans rights protesters because of the position that the Guardian takes on trans issues. So this is a tough time if you are LGBT+ to enter the industry. Uh, I mean, of course, there are places like Pink News, which are you know, know, large proportion of our team are LGBT+. A lot of the newer digital media businesses have a very different view on this. So whether that's Lab Bible, Buzzfeed, Vice really really you know really on, uh, on the money with with their views on lgbt plus and creating a, a comfortable um, and welcoming place for lgbt plus people to go and work but unfortunately that's not the case everywhere in the media and people will need to make decisions about where they wish to work and they may take make those decisions based on you know are they good lgbt plus networks etc etc
0: yeah it's really interesting to hear and it's it's such a shame that these barriers do still exist but, like you say, organisations like yours and also other more modern forms of sort of media institutions like Vice and BuzzFeed and that are a lot more sort of progressive in their outlook which is which is really good to see and it's, it's a shame when you talk about, you know, in the quest for balance and impartiality that Organisations feel like they have to bring on the most horrific prejudice in order to achieve balance, as if it's that is a balanced view when it, it isn't. Um, but but yeah, I, hopefully, like we you don't, say, think, way, we don't, sorry. We
1: don't, we don't find on the BBC when there's a discussion of racism, you don't you don't see the Ku Klux Klan being invited no, in. exactly in, it, yeah. You who think that gay people should be killed being asked to discuss about LGBT issues
0: yeah absolutely it's it's unacceptable um for sure and um, so we've just got time just for one more question so um just to sort of sum up what we've talked about it's been a really useful discussion and I could talk for ages with you about the various sort of uh, elements of what you do but um, what advice would you give to anybody who's wanting to progress into the sector obviously you've so had I'm, such a really interesting room yeah. so yeah any advice would but be I'm, great
1: I would say what you said at the beginning
0: is, a. I
1: would, with the greatest respect, I think it's a bit outdated. Today, young people have the ability and anyone really has the ability to reach mass audiences relatively easily. Of course, if you want to become a print journalist, then thinking about writing for local newspapers and things like that is a good shout, except local newspapers are dying. Know it's very easy for someone to create a profile for themselves on things like Twitter and be writing blogs and and getting traction. You know, building up a profile if you want to if you want to go into broadcast journalism, building up a profile on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube is exactly what you know you need to be doing. The reality is that today, I think that if people were starting their career, they may be they have a few different options, more options than they had before. Because previously, if you wanted to reach a mass audience, you'd need to go and work at BBC Channel 4, you need to come and work for someone like me. And I'm, you know, we're hiring all the time, so we want great people to come and come and work for Ping Yis. But you can also start yourself, right? So you can be creating, um, and you, know, you can be trying to create yourself as a creator and trying to monetize, you know, your content, on platforms like TikTok, we actually had uh, someone, a mid-level uh, manager at Pink News, recently left to become a full-time influencer. During the time that she was at Pink News, she's built up hundreds of thousands of followers on a variety of different platforms, and she's now being able to build a career, you know, not working for me, working for herself, and that's great. You know, I I I think all power to people. It's it's not this. You know, it's not doesn't give you the guarantee that getting a job with like a pension and holiday and all that stuff gives and career progression. But there is the ability to create something for yourself. Equally, I would say that anyone who comes and applies for a job at Pink News, if they don't already have profiles, if they're not already using Twitter and and other things to to kind of grow a following, uh, that's kind of, it looks pretty bad. So whether or not you're looking to do it as this as your ultimate goal, or whether you're looking to do it to build your profile before you get hired, having a profile, having traction, having something that people will look at. Because actually, I can tell you, I mean, I'm not interviewing generally for some of the entry-level roles, but I can tell you from the people who are, if they look you up on Twitter and you've basically just posted a load of garbage, you're just posting about, like, I don't know, moaning about being placed on hold on a to make a complaint or just like pictures from your night out or something you're probably not going to get an interview if you've been using it to make some intelligent points about you know the news agenda or whatever else you're trying to do or you've created some content you've uploaded it on there you're much more likely to get an interview because you're demonstrating that you grasp social media and if you want to make it today in the world where it's not you know even print right most of the consumption of the the traditional print like national and local newspapers is online so you're not going to get a job anywhere really if you don't grasp social media even if you're not looking to be you know you're not looking to work at buzzfeed or lab bible or something uh, or pink news which is very which are all very much social media based um you're not going to get you wouldn't get a job anywhere really because everything whether it's the financial times to the guardian has a big role a big role to play on social media and their most senior journalists have got very large followings there, and that following is then a currency for when you're looking to take get your next job. So if someone comes and you know and is coming for like a mid level or senior job with us, and they've got 100,000 followers on Twitter, or even not, not that many, like 10,000, it kind of makes you look. Whereas if they've been working for 10 years and they've got like 20 people following them, it kind of it's not really showing that their content's that engaging or interesting.
0: Yeah, that's really useful to know, definitely. And and the sort of modern form, and I think you're right, that sort of introduction that I've got was probably suitable for more of the mid nineties, possibly, or early two thousands. And it is still a route, but actually the world is very different. And it, and and, and having that, yeah.
1: Yeah. It's definitely a route in, but I'm not sure it will take people where they want to get to at the speed they want to get there. Being yeah. willing to write, being submitting things, being a good freelancer is really important and a lot of people who i know who've made it to like get now having beats on like national newspapers or on uh national television have done it that way but they've also juggled that with building up their own personal profile and building up their own own personal following and breaking stories and that gives them the currency to be able to kind of get the best opportunities uh, that are out there
0: Brilliant. I think that's a really nice way to uh, to finish, actually. So, yeah, thank you so much for your time, Benjamin. Um, It's very, very much appreciated. And I think our students will really appreciate it, too. I know I've found it very, very insightful. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Um, And for everyone listening, thank you for listening. Um, And we've got a lot more future episodes planned on loads of different sectors. So do keep an eye out um, and listen to any future episodes that may be of interest to you. Thank you and goodbye.